Welcome everyone to a new episode of the Transcript Podcast. You've got me, Scott Krisloff. I'm editor of the Transcript, along with Eric Mokaya, who is our lead author. We sent out a new issue of the Transcript yesterday. Last week, the biggest event of the week was that the Federal Reserve had a meeting and a press conference. So we had a lot of quotes in the macro section, especially from Jerome Powell talking about his view of the economy and the Fed's view of the economy and talking about when the Fed would pull back on some of the stimulus that the Fed's been injecting into the market. And so I think the most interesting, noteworthy point from that is the Fed is seeing the same picture of the economy that the rest of us are. They're not totally ignoring it. They see demand is very, very strong, is something that Jerome Powell said. So I think they realize that the economy is strong. Labor markets are strong. They see that inflation is occurring, although they believe it's transitory is the biggest difference between the Fed and some of the other commentary that you see out there. And so they see all of that, and yet there's still no plans to really change the stimulus. They're talking about talking about changing the stimulus. But I think the most important headline to me is that the dot plots show no interest rate increases until 2023, late 2023. And then Jerome Powell said, that even once there's liftoff, so to speak, in interest rates, uh, monetary policy would remain highly accommodative. So really, I took that as a, there's no plans to move from a highly accommodative monetary policy stance uh, for at least a couple of years, which is pretty crazy. It does sound crazy. I think you spent a lot more time with the Federal Reserve uh, speeches and all the things around them. I spent a lot more time with the bankers and especially like another companies and what they're thinking about the Fed. And I think what what I picked was that, I mean, the bankers really expect interest rates to go up soon. They feel like the Fed will be pushed to, their hand will be pushed in terms of increasing interest rates soon. And maybe it's because of the data that they're seeing that they economy is pretty strong and labor markets are pretty tight. From your perspective, like just ju- ju- juxtaposing both to like banks expect rates to go up, the Federal Reserve kind of says like, okay, we may not actually be raising rates anytime soon until 2023. Like any thoughts on that? How do you reconcile those two? I think the biggest thing that it indicates is that the Federal Reserve may be running the risk of missing longer term higher inflation expectations starting to brew more in the economy. I think The difference between where the Federal Reserve is today and where the Federal Reserve was even five years ago is that I think everybody really did expect deflation to come back at every turn previously. And now you're starting to see more indications that people are thinking that inflation is going to be with us for a long time. And we've kind of broken the back of deflation. And so in Jerome Powell's comments, he did at one point say that If inflation expectations move higher, the Federal Reserve still stands ready to act and that they do recognize that they have a dual mandate. And right now, you know, CPI readings are very high, but I think the Federal Reserve is taking a wait and see approach to see if that's transitory or not. So they may be behind the curve on this one, honestly. Well, maybe something else, which is also in most of the companies, was about the tight labor markets. And I know the Fed also commented about that. But from the perspective of the companies that... They, they are, there's a lot of imbalances. They can't get enough for workers, and something that we've been seeing the past couple of weeks. And I think one of the one of the quotes was from the construction industry, where we can't find laborers at all. And I, a, I saw a certain statistic that shows that this is the highest rate of people actually leaving jobs that has has been in the U.S. 
So did the Fed have any comments about that? Yeah, the Fed did say that they recognize that labor markets are healthy and are going to be very strong pretty quickly. And I think when Powell says that, he's looking at the unemployment rate specifically, which is still somewhat elevated. But as we've talked about in past weeks, the unemployment rate isn't telling the whole story of the economy. And it was interesting because even in the press conference, Jerome Powell does mention that the unemployment benefits that have been coming from the federal government are maybe preventing people from entering the workforce at the same rate that they normally would because people are making plenty of money on unemployment benefits. And so like, I think for a lot of people, you look at that and you say, okay, well, that just means that labor markets are being distorted by, by outside stimulus. And so do you really need more stimulus in order to get people back to work? And I don't know, my answer would probably be no, but that's, I'm not the Federal Reserve. <laughs> <laughs> Gladly. <laughs> Something else that uh, we picked up is also about, I think, Jamie, James Gorman was pretty clear that he wants people back in the office as soon as possible. I think I picked up from Jamie Diamond also like, guys, if you can go to a restaurant in New York City, you can come to the office and we want you in the office. Uh, and I mean, you, you also put that against the Airbnb quote is like, okay, they expect more flexibility and all. You feel like there's a bit of, of, how do you call it? Like you have a bit of discrepancy between how tech companies and all those companies think about it and how bankers think about these things. Maybe perhaps because banking is a bit more relational. So they want people back in the office so they can do the business of relating to clients and customers. I know we've talked a lot about work from home, work from the office. Any thoughts on that? I mean, I think it was really interesting to your point that it was the Airbnb CFO versus two bank CEOs talking about flexibility for their employees. I think it speaks to the difference in culture between tech companies and financial services companies, where especially those who are running financial services companies right now are typically more conservative, more looking backward to the way that things were. But I do think that the most important part of that comment is that employees are expecting more flexibility. And I think in the war for talent, if you have a company that is offering an extremely productive worker flexibility to work from home, and you have another company that's saying you must be in the office five days a week, I think the most productive people will have a tendency to value that flexibility. So workers um, will definitely be voting with their feet on where they want to be working. Exactly. I think it's going to be a competitive disadvantage to make your workers come into an office five days a week. But if you want to be a banker, you have to be in the office. That's what James Gorman was saying. <laughs> yeah, I would love to see how often James Gorman goes into the office. I bet he's flying around the country quite a bit. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Speaking of a bit of leisure, we had two quotes from Walt Disney and Comcast saying that theme parks have very strong demand. I think you've been at Walt Disney uh, this past couple of, I think, last month, and then you saw the demand. I think the demand is really picking up. It's very strong. I think I listened to the quote by Walt Disney. They look like they may have a really good quarter, this one, uh, especially as theme parks reopen. They're seeing a lot of advertising revenue coming in, especially on their streaming and, and all this. So I think there, and then you saw like nobody, I think Comcast was saying that right now, international visitation is around 20 to 30% of attendance, but that may also pick up as maybe the global economy reopens also. Any thoughts on that yourself? Yeah, I think there's still lots of pent up demand to go out and do things that you weren't able to do during the pandemic. It'll be interesting to watch how this evolves over the next few months. I think personally, I'm 
feeling that the the need to binge on these experiences is starting mm -hmm. to fade. I think like the initial push out of the pandemic of the relief of being able to leave your home again, it's feeling like it's more normalized. So I'm sure that will start to flow into some of the conference calls that we're reading too. Interesting. Something else that I may have picked in one of the earnings calls, I can't remember which one, they say that people are paying a premium not to sit next to someone, like especially maybe that too may fade, but right now there's a lot of premium being paid so that people can be alone in a seat, not, not next to someone and not exposed to the virus and all. Any other quotes that you may have found interesting? Maybe supply chains? Yeah, I think the supply chain stuff is important. There were a couple of quotes that we're talking about supply chain disruptions starting to heal and that hopefully the second quarter will be the trough for for some of these bottlenecks, which would be expected and that would be the natural way that things should progress. It would definitely dampen inflation if these bottlenecks heal, but there were a number of quotes as well that talked about that things won't fully heal until 2022. Yeah, I think Flexport CEO is the one who kind of sum, sums up the thoughts. Is like just you just need to wait it out. It's not like it's 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 a big issue, but it's big medium term, not like long term. It's like we'll have a couple of bottlenecks, but I think supply is ramping up in a couple of places. A lot of people are putting in a lot of capital is flowing. I think it's kind of like the capitalism thing where there is a need, capital flows in, and then the supply ramps up. So actually pretty soon, uh, maybe 2023, we may have an, another challenge. Now we have too much of the stuff that we had little of. So I think it's, it balances out in the medium term, I would say. Yeah. One thing before we, we close out, what is the metaverse? I need to read a bit more about it, but I think it's <laughs> it's it's a it's a lot of the, the thinking I have so far is that where you the physical and the kind of the virtual merges in such a way that you're seamlessly flowing. It's a little bit like Pokemon Go. Like I think that gives you a little bit of a hint. <laughs> like you you your physical and the and and the virtual merge, and then you you can take stuff from the re virtual world and then come into the real world and use them, and from the real world and then get, go to the uh, virtual world. So I think the big guys on this are NVIDIA and the other guys are Epic uh, Games. They're really trying to fulfill this vision of a metaverse at the end of the day. <laughs> That's It sounds very cool. I have no idea <laughs> when we will actually be able to enter the metaverse, but it sounds very cool. I mean, it, it could be a really important economic thing too. It actually gets up and running. because It takes, it takes it a could, lot though. It, I'm, it's good. I'm sure it takes a lot. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, it could represent the displacement of the web browser as the way that you in interact with the internet. And that would be a huge shift in economic fortunes if people didn't access the internet through web browsers. Does every company, especially gaming companies, they have their own silos. So like different silos, they're not related, different architectures, different characters. But now like you can't take a character from, let's say, Disney and then take them to your Fortnite to play games there. But now, maybe in future, you take the princess from Disney and then you take them to fight for you and maybe Fortnite. So I think that's kind of like there. <laughs> it, it sounds like we're entering the Matrix. <laughs> it does. It does. I mean, what's the difference? <laughs> we're all going to plug into the metaverse. <laughs> we should just rename the metaverse the Matrix and be done with it. Yeah, that could be. That could actually make it easier for people to understand at the end of the day. So I think that's. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but. I think we can end there for this week. Thank you so much for now. Uh, we'll see you again next week. Uh, always drop us an email at uh, admin at theweeklytranscript.com and leave us your thoughts and comments. Uh, thank you so much for this week. Thanks, everybody.